morning church. This is Isaiah 9, verse 6 to 7. For us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne over and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it to with justice, righteousness, from that from the time on forever. And the zeal of the Lord Mighty will be accomplished this. Thanks, babe. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have a little bit of a closer look at that passage and what it means for us uh, this special day. Gracious Father, thank you for your word, the Bible, that it tells us the truth of who you are and the wonders that you have performed for us, particularly as we remember the birth of your Son, our Saviour Jesus. Be with us now as we reflect a little bit more on that. And may you stir our hearts to love you more. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There is no doubt uh, that Father Christmas is well-known and cherished. His roots are in a bunch of different traditions and stories from Norse mythology and the long-bearded wanderer, Odin, sometimes called the All-Father, to the personification of the festivities at Christmas time, which, as they have become more family-focused, particularly during the 19th century in uh, Europe, they got linked with uh, gift-giving and children writing letters to him and hanging up empty stockings to be filled with gifts from him. He then got merged with uh, Santa Claus from America uh, during uh, drawing on the stories of uh, uh, an old rich Dutch Christian man, St. Nicholas, who was known for secretly giving gifts to the poor. And so Father Christmas came to be seen as the uh, magical, jolly person who comes once a year secretly at night bringing gifts to good kids. And with Christmas shopping uh, evolving into the seasonal activity that it is, uh, he was seen in a lot, he started to be seen in a lot of advertising, becoming the mascot of Christmas fun, food, family gifts and good times. Here's how he was pictured in 1919. And then later in the 1930s with those famous uh, Coca-Cola ads and commercials. And this is the Father Christmas we know and love. A jolly, rose-cheeked, white-bearded, plump old man dressed in red and white who promises fun, food, family, gifts and good times at Christmas. Uh, No wonder he's cherished. And perhaps even more so this year. Because as we look back... Uh, on this year, the isolation, the restrictions, the recession, death and trauma that COVID has given us, it's not a surprise if many, many are putting their hopes in the fun, food, family, gifts and good times that Father Christmas promises. But can he deliver? Can any trinket or or foodstuff, or beverage, or time was spent with family or friends really repair the ongoing effects of COVID on our pockets, on our relationships, maybe on our heavy hearts, on our unmet hopes. Uh, Mel Gibson's latest movie, Fat Man, uh, recasts Father Christmas as a tough, gruff character who wins over threats to his life and livelihood by making deals with the government and by packing a lot of guns. Now, That's a bit of a cynical take on the Father Christmas story. But maybe it's 
a reflection of where some of us are at, hoping against hope that things get better uh, with Christmas this year, not worse, and yearning for the happiness and magical innocence that Father Christmas represents and promises. But we're not sure if it'll happen. Which is the genius of Jesus, and particularly his birth, which Christians celebrate at this time of the year. Because Jesus wonderfully puts stronger magic into Christmas time, as he puts God the Father back into Christmas. Firstly, with a fantastic historical story, and then secondly, with God's everlasting love for his family. So, first up, a fantastic historical story. Around 700 years before the first Christmas, uh, a prophet, Isaiah, the son of Amos, uh, who lived in Jerusalem at the time, he said some incredible things, amazing things, Christmas things. In a time of great national crisis, the Assyrian Empire, having taken over the northern part of Israel, uh, they come knocking on the capital of Jerusalem in the south. And God gives Isaiah some words, a prophecy prophecy of hope, of a child who will come and bring peace. A prophecy he wrote down, which we had read earlier. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, God does miraculously turn the Assyrian army away from Jerusalem back in the day. And the king of Israel at the time, a guy called Hezekiah, he's a good guy. But he's not what this prophecy promises. He's not mighty God or everlasting father. Those titles, they're reserved for another. A child born 700 years later with an angel appearing to the Virgin Mary telling her she's going to have a son and that she's to call him Jesus. And she's like, well, how will this be since I'm a virgin? The angel is like, well, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And so Jesus is born. The Son promised by Isaiah, the Son of God. He had no earthly father and that's, how he gets the title Everlasting Father, because he's the Everlasting Son. Because he's got the Son in the flesh. And it's precisely because of this, and because he later claims to be God, that he's killed. The religious leaders at the time, they they rightly hear him claiming to be equal with God. That God is uniquely his Father. And they can't stand it. For a man to claim to be God, it wasn't just crazy to them. It was the worst kind of crime. God's law itself condemns it as worthy of death because it's the height of arrogance. Death is the proper punishment for pretending to be God. For thinking you know what's best for your life. For thinking you're the master of your own destiny. For thinking what is good for you is what is good. Full stop. This kind of thinking, 
That thinking that we've all done and that we've all lived by at some stage, it's actually why we die. Death is God's punishment for pretending to be God, for trying to take his place in life. But here's the thing. Death couldn't keep Jesus. He dies, yes, on that cross as he's crucified, but he rises from the dead. Hundreds of people see him back from the dead in the flesh. They touch him. They eat with him. They talk with him. And the reason he rises from the dead is because he wasn't pretending to be God. He is God. And as such, Jesus' fantastic historical resurrection from the dead points to the reality of that other fantastic historical story, his conception and his birth. The Christmas story, the moment God took on flesh, that God the Son, the everlasting Son, took on flesh so that we might know who God is, the great three-in-one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and importantly for us today, the everlasting Father. The Son shows us that God is Father. It's Jesus' fantastic historical birth as the Son of God that wonderfully puts God the Father back into Christmas. But Jesus' birth also shows us God's everlasting love for his family, which is the second point. Because if death couldn't keep Jesus because he wasn't pretending to to be God, then why did he die in the first place? Well, the fantastic historical, historical Christmas story makes it pretty clear. We read it in the Gospel of Matthew in the Bible. An angel appears in a dream to Joseph, who's engaged to Mary, and who's been freaking out because she's pregnant and he's not the dad. And the angel tells him, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, sin, that's pretending to be God. That's what sin is. It's the attitude that says, I'll decide what's good for me in my life, not God. And we've all done that. That's pretty clear, because... We all die. But death couldn't keep Jesus because he didn't die for his sin. He died for others' sin. Incredibly, he died for those who are arrogantly pretending to be God. Jesus died their death. He took their punishment so that they could be saved. And he did this willingly. Jesus laid down his life willingly and happily. And he does it not for good people but for God pretending bad people like you and me. And because he's God, his sacrifice covers the sin of the whole world. And because he's God the Son, well, his sacrifice shows us the love of his Father. Imagine for a moment that I had daughters who treated me with contempt for years and years. I don't. Uh, Phoebe and uh, Safine don't hate me. Uh, they love me. She's nodding, so it's true. But imagine I had daughters that did, right? 
and had done for years and years. And then imagine I had a precious, beautiful son, the apple of my eye, and he comes along and he says, hey, Dad, I can make it right. I can fix it for them, your daughters, to be friends with us. All you've got to do is let me die for them. Now, for me to let that happen, to let my son, my precious son, sacrifice himself for them, my spiteful daughters, I'd have to really love my daughters, right? This is kind of like the love of God the Father. As the son lays down his life, he only does so because the father wills it to. And he does so for his children who don't deserve it. And in this we see something of what he's like. That he loves his wayward children so much he's willing to give what's most precious to him, his unique son, for their good. So as to make things right between them. So that they might know his forgiveness. So that they might be reconciled to him. So that they might sincerely and gratefully be able to call him dad. And know him personally to be who he is. A passionate, sacrificial and loving, everlasting father. A truly satisfying father at Christmas. The Father Christmas, you could say. He doesn't just come once a year, but he's here to stay. And he doesn't just give us perishable gifts like toys and trinkets and food and drink and good times. No, he, he filled our stocking to the brim, so to speak, with the eternal gift of his son, in whom the Bible says we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, blessings and gifts that we get to unwrap and delight in for the rest of eternity. With God, with Jesus, God the Father promises that we're always welcome in his house, always welcome around his table as his children. With Jesus, we see wonderfully God the Father put back into Christmas. So today... And over this Christmas period, as we enjoy what we can of the fun and food, family, gifts and good times of this Christmas season, and as we thank God for these things, let's be careful not to put our hope in them, because they'll never truly satisfy, but instead to remember that fantastic historical story of God the Son, born today so that we might know God as our everlasting loving Father who loves us to death and beyond and will never leave us, our true Father Christmas. And in the light of that, maybe we need to be telling the fantastic historical story of Jesus' birth to each other a little bit more, to have it as part of our conversations and to be creative about that. Maybe we can encourage our kids to write letters or prayers to God the Father of Christmas thanking him for the gift of Jesus. Maybe we can fill our stockings with Bible verses or other creative things to keep the story alive in our hearts. Maybe before or maybe after we've unwrapped our presents or dig into our food and drink and spend time with our family and friends, maybe first we we thank the true Father of Christmas for all of his gifts, especially 
the fantastic historical gift of his son's birth so that we might know him as our everlasting and loving father. Which I'm going to do now. Let's pray. Gracious, ever-loving and everlasting Father, thanks so much for sending your dear Son, our Saviour Jesus, into the world those many years ago so that we might know your forgiveness and know your eternal, passionate love for us. Thanks that because Jesus is your Son, we know you truly as Father, our true, everlasting Father, and we can call on you intimately as Dad, So, Father, we praise you and we adore you today, in and through Jesus, your Son. We declare you our true and everlasting Father, Christmas. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.